0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter, out loud, looking at Exodus chapter 15 today. And this is a real change of pace because we've been seeing uh, so much narrative, so much action. One thing happens into the next thing, into the next thing. Um, But here it's just poetry, uh, it's just it's just a song, um, and it, it's it's really interesting how you have this right here, and you might feel like, well, I don't know, isn't this something that should be in the Psalms? Well, it, it kind of is <laughs> in the Psalms here in Exodus 15. We'll talk about some of the Psalms connections, but it's, it's actually really important in the sequence that you have this celebration before the story, before the journey continues. It's not just, you know, from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. There has to be... Rest. And so we're going to be connecting a few things to this idea, this anticipation already of, of Sabbath, even before the Sabbath has officially been instituted. So, a really interesting chapter here, uh, it, but a necessary one in the progression of Exodus. And joining us today as our guest, we've got Pastor Benjamin Ball, pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us. How are the brothers and sisters uh, out there in Hamel?
1: Well, we are all well, thank you. Uh, thanks be to God. Um, it's good to be with you, and uh, looking forward to studying God's Word with you and visiting over this next hour.
0: Yeah, like, likewise. Glad to hear that everyone's doing all right, um, especially you know in, in Illinois, which I know has been um, you know an interesting mix of um, responses and being able to deal with things, but. You know, this uh this chapter it's really interesting because it's one it, it's one of these chapters, I think, too, where there's some popular attention paid to it where it serves as like the the inspiration for a lot of uh songs and, and poetry that's been made over the years. But also it's one that attracts the attention of a lot of scholars because um I, I think this is one of those spots where scholars say, Well, perhaps uh this is very archaic Hebrew, like the Hebrew comes to us a little mm-hmm. bit uh, more exactly preserved. And so uh, anytime you have a spot where uh, both popular and scholarly attention are attracted, y- you know it's a spot where there's a lot of different ideas going on.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and of course, um, even through uh, the Church and, and her usage of this canticle, as we'll see in the front end, I mean, uh, it's been part of the Easter... Uh, vigil liturgy for a long time. It was appointed yeah. to be sung at Lauds on Monday, Thursday during Holy Week. Um, it's in our older, even English Lutheran hymnals. I mean, we know that there's a setting of it in our current Lutheran service book, but it was in the Lutheran yeah. hymnal too from 1941. So even amongst Lutheranisms, there's long in Lutheranism there's long usage uh, of the canticle and across the church uh, Catholic for a long, long time. So uh,
0: that's right. So there's there's yet another aspect uh, to it uh, well probably related to like the popular usage just because um that the popular usage was was so connected to why actually was as you were saying put in worship in in liturgy uh, in these traditional celebrations like easter so yeah a lot a lot of things to be connecting the the dots on but it'll be good just to look at this chapter and just try to just for a minute kind of just focus on what it's saying kind of on its own before we uh, branch out from
1: there but yeah exactly uh, but you we... can, you can... Yeah, you can see how—well, as we'll talk about you can see how why, why the Church yeah. has used this ancient hymn for Absolutely. a lot of good reasons. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's right. That's right. Well, before we get started, Brother, would you uh, go ahead and start us out with a prayer?
1: Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, so um, we're going to go ahead and read through the whole chapter, which is going to include both the song, By the Sea, or the Song of Moses. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about the title um, once we get to come around um, different different ways of talking about it uh and then we're going to go ahead and also just read just one one thing into the next the the scene that we have uh but before we do so anything in particular maybe perhaps during the song like uh in terms of refrains or or, or common words that we need to be paying attention to or um anything from the context that we really should be bearing in mind before we give this a listen
1: yeah so we know what happened uh Last chapter and yesterday's show with the yeah. deliverance that happened at the crossing of the Red Sea, and now there's there's a couple things you want you want uh, our our listeners want to hear, yeah. that is what Moses says he's going to do about singing to the Lord, exalting the Lord, and 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 extolling who the Lord is, and then comparing about what the enemy Pharaoh said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, and that all ends up to naught in the end. Uh, of the of the song, of course, the Lord is the one who stands as true King, who's going to reign into eternity. So you got Moses, what he's going to do in Thanksgiving, kind of towards the middle. You have this boastfulness of Pharaoh, who thinks that he's going to do something, and we know how that turned out. At the end, then there is this great uh, statement of praise of the people being delivered from all the nations. Um, and the Lord's ultimate and eternal victory. And then you shift to, okay, then there's more praising going on as Miriam gathers the ladies together to sing, and they right. sing a little bit. And then, of course, there's this great miraculous thing that happens in the sweetness of the water that God is delivering them, which we'll get to the end, and how it's just one big note of deliverance. And even in the face, we get the first sense after they're deli- I mean, they were... Complaining about, oh Moses, you just brought us out here to die. Well, hey, they didn't die. But then after they're they're rescued, we get that first complaint after they're rescuing. You know, this is bad. The water right. sinks out here. But then Moses, through uh, God, through Moses, makes it sweet for them. And so that's for us to think about too: the sweetness of our Lord and His promises and His deliverance that He gives to us.
0: Uh, a- amen. Yeah, I, I think that's that's helpful to be listening out for, like you were describing. The different, the different stages um, of, or the different perspectives that, that are within this song, and then, yeah, just how that theme of deliverance, rescue, salvation keeps appearing in the way it does. Uh, yeah, 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 some good stuff to be keeping in mind. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead then, turn to the text. This is Exodus chapter 15 in the English Standard Version. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying... Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. There they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water... Became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So a lot a lot of things going on here, but the uh the thing that that stands out to me reading it as a whole is how much water uh stands out through the entire chapter. It's a very wet chapter uh, yeah, it, you've is. Got, it is yeah, and I mean and it's been that way since the previous chapter, I mean, even dealing with the Red Sea itself, but um it it's interesting in that respect that this this does feel like a big parallel to the plague sequence because those first plagues. Uh, wonders signs they were all about water you had um the nile getting turned to blood you had this uh, and and the fish dying right then you had all these frogs coming up out of the water and and swarming the land so you, you had like these these water sorts of plagues and of course even um I think we had a ch- chance finally to talk about this a little bit more. Um, e- even when Aaron's uh, staff turns into a serpent, the word there is a, a sea serpent, a, a sea snake, perhaps. But um, all they're all water-related, and so here you've got um, the swallowing up not of a staff but of Pharaoh's army. Um, you've got the changing of water uh, not to blood but to drinkable, potable water, um, and so it's like it's like all the water stuff is is happening again, but this time for creation instead of judgment and decreation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, I think you talked about um, maybe a couple shows ago about, um, you know, the Nile and being the central to the Egyptian cult yeah. of all of their false gods, you know, Osiris <laughs> and all these gods and goddesses that had to do with the water. And so when when God was striking back at uh, Pharaoh's hardness and impenitence, it was just basically basically saying your gods are all false, uh, the God of Moses and Aaron, uh, the Lord, he is the true God. And so that's why, you know, this whole thing with the water, like, well, the Lord is the one who is who has triumphed, and he has triumphed not only over Pharaoh and Pharaoh's hosts, but also also those false gods. And of course, that's what, when they start rolling uh, here in these next few chapters into the land which God um, had promised them that's always going to be their great temptation is going after these other false gods. But when God, the Lord shows that he uh, has delivered them through water and brings them to uh, water that's bitter, but then is made sweet. Well, they need to trust in his provision, his love and his deliverance for them both uh, now and into uh, everlasting life. That's what they got to be thinking about.
0: Yeah, it is it is fascinating how it, it is you know so early on, right? And yet we already have the uh the grumbling. And um it's uh I mean in in that way it's it really feels like, you know, numbers basically, you know, the the wilderness wanderings have already begun. We're we're already yeah. getting the the grumblings going on and it's um it's the same kind of language here. This the same sorts of words and um and phrases are used kind of throughout with this with this grumbling but it is it is um then interesting to see this how this really does um you know work as this as this hinge and and what really are the purposes going on here right because clearly if if the purpose was um to make these people really nice and not grumbly seems like God has not succeeded. <laughs> yeah, well, he,
1: this is the thing about the worship of God's people. So what has just happened? He has delivered them with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, right? Yeah. And at the end of chapter 14, there is this statement of they believe in the Lord and they believed in Moses, who's his prophet, yeah. his servant, right? So they trust, they believe in the Lord, they have, they've been given uh, the faith of their father Abraham. And of course, um, like Abraham, they... They had to trust. They did see signs of their deliverance, and we see signs in a different way, too. But they believe, that, that and there's a statement of faith there. And then what the faith that has been given to them and has been uh, made manifest in the revelation of the true and living God, that then stirs up in them joyful praise. They they, they worship him. They can't—their their faith cannot be held down. And Moses and all the people, they sing, and, and it's this— this inspiration of this hymn that comes to the people it's it's immediate it seems you know they're they're singing uh, to him who has done these things, and of course, how does their worship work? They recount what god has done that 's right and yeah,
0: no I, I think that's right that when you look at verse thirty one of the previous chapter the the, the the idea is not so much that this is kind of um Like this, like summary statement, kind of like you know, like and like and thus the day was saved, you know, and it's just kind of like zooming out and it's kind of like credits roll, but but rather the language is you know so they came to, I mean like that 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 they feared the Lord. Then this is very much like in the New Testament where you have the language of they put their faith in Him, Mm -hmm. and and then and as you were saying, and then like it's like the very next thing. And it's a it's a very interesting strong uh, construction in the Hebrew. But it's like, and then the next thing was right. right? So I mean, it it keeps going without skipping a beat. So the fact that, as you were saying, that they are they're transformed this way, and their eyes are opened, and their hearts are opened, they they can't help but just gush out with this praise. So I mean, it's the immediate reaction um, that we that we have it it's um it is interesting though as as you pointed out that it's a two part faith thing where they're putting their faith in the lord uh yahweh but they're also putting um their faith in Moses servant and i almost wonder if that's um not that necessarily that that's the wrong thing because i think it's understood rightly that they're they're putting their faith in him secondarily that it's you know they're only putting their faith in him because they believe god sent him um mm-hmm. but but if if that's really where the struggle is, just going to be at because it seems like there's this this tension that's going to be going on back and forth. Where okay, we we kind of we, we kind of have faith in God in the abstract, but we're not sure if Moses is really the one who's supposed <laughs> to be representing him, and and, and well, that's where it, the rubber hits the road and things
1: get tricky. Exactly, and of course, as we go forward. Um... They're going to receive a promise that the Lord is going to raise up a prophet like Moses, which, of course, will be the Son of God, our Lord Christ. And that is the same issue we have today. Well, we kind of believe in God, but what about this Jesus guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so things don't really don't change over the course of the centuries. And this was the case with our Lord. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, sure, I believe in God. Uh, but what about this one who claims to be his son? Well, Not so sure. And, of course, he gets yeah. rejected. Right.
0: Well, right, yeah, and and that's, um, of course, I mean, that that speaks to this ongoing problem of the human condition, right, that, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, I believe in God or I have faith, but, I mean, as long as we're ultimately the ones who are deciding what God says and what he doesn't say, <laughs> then we are conveniently just only listening and obeying ourselves and really worshiping ourselves in some ways as God. So, yeah, yeah, the question of who is talking for him is— really important, and it makes all the difference um, in terms of whether you're actually listening to God, or we're just kind of coming up with, you know, pious reasons for basically doing whatever we want. So, yeah, no, it, it, that's that's the ongoing, constant uh, tension and struggle in the human heart.
1: And, and it gets to, not only uh, to, to that, most importantly, but also to our, our continued, even today, confession of the office of the Holy Ministry. So, yeah. when our hearers, when you have your your pastor who speaks a word of forgiveness in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're to believe that his forgiveness really is God's forgiveness. And then he's speaking for the Lord to you. And of course, also sometimes for our repentance, our pastor needs to speak a word of rebuke, which is hard to take. And Moses, of course, will do that for the people too. But this is God's way always for our repentance and faith. He uses preachers. He Absolutely. uses voices in in this world that he's sent that we would hear and believe, and then rejoice. Yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. And I think the text too has been highlighting not only uh, Moses. In fact, in some ways, the, the text has been kind of minimizing Moses and um, showing how you know he he had a lot of doubt, he had a lot of um, you know issues, anger, lack of confidence, objections um, while he was talking to God. And in some ways, um, what's interesting is that even though. The story is kind of almost presenting Aaron as a sidekick. It seems like the story is framed in a way that really kind of emphasizes Aaron, um, and mm-hmm. and, and, you, and you see that in the way that uh, in the genealogy, it's as much as Aaron's genealogy as it is Moses. In fact, it's it's actually kind of this is back in Exodus six. It's kind of more Aaron's genealogy than it is um, Moses's genealogy. You know, going and um, describing you know Aaron's sons going all the way down to Phineas. So. You know, it is interesting that—to um, t- your point about the office, you know, that there is this kind of highlighting of the—what's the, 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 the what's sometimes called the Aaronide priesthood, that there is this, this priesthood, this office, that is going to stay with them, stay yep. with the people, um, and be you know, before them. And, uh, you know, God's going to continue to speak through these means, these people, these uh, mouthpieces, um, even after Moses. So, I mean, that is—I th- I think it ties nicely to your point— um just a couple minutes left here i want to talk a little bit about before the break just the actual words of this song here. So yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now we're not going to have time to get into the de- level of detail of uh, talking about how cool this is because there is some really archaic looking stuff in the Hebrew, mm-hmm. um, which which is just you know I, I get all excited about, but we just we just don't have the time to go there. But, <laughs> but well, that's overall, the though, thing of
1: trying to trying to roll through a one chapter uh, of a Bible, yeah, I know, in all
0: right? <laughs> Especially a chapter like this, but. Um, it is it is interesting just how I mean it, it's a, it's a very much a, a military song right like it, it's you know it even says it that way you know uh, the Lord's a man of war you know he's a he's a warrior uh, and, and it's very much framed as God has defeat I mean this, this is um, I'm reminded of actually where was it it's like in uh, in Samuel I think right um, where uh, yeah yeah yeah. First and second Samuel, where, like, you have this, this story that shows like, with Saul and David how all the women are like, celebrating all of you know, David's military victories, and Saul's starting to get jealous. Well, I mean, this is what the women are doing. They're celebrating the, the military victory, right?
1: Yes, yes. So, yeah, so when, when it starts out here, when, in, in the beginning of the, cha- of the song, there's this—it it really is th- this martial theme of, of complete and utter uh, victory and defeat over the enemies of the Lord and his people— yeah. And, and Moses' praise and the people's praise, it's, it's this, you know, it's, I will sing, but everybody's singing. That's the thing. It's, they, are, they are one body and one voice yeah. that, that is calling out. I mean, that's the whole thing about Israel, right? It's, it's all one. Yeah. And so now they're all singing out, and to him, because of what he's done, he saved them. He's, he is my God. And how has he shown it? He is the man of war. What's his name? Well, in this great victory march, it's the name of the Lord that, that of course, he had revealed. That, that was a big ch- chapter three question. Moses asked, hey, what's your name? Well, mm-hmm. now he's shown what his name is, and he has revealed the power of his name in delivering them uh, into freedom from their captivity. And that's this recording Again, what has God done? And this is what the people of God always do. When we worship him, we want to remember the things that he's done. And so they they say, what has he done? Well, he's thrown Pharaoh's Pharaoh's chariots and all of his hosts there in the sea. You know, these great officers, the the chosen uh, warriors that Pharaoh sent out there. Well, you know, God has chosen us. The things that Pharaoh has chosen, they don't exist anymore. They're done.
0: Yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's right. And we should talk more about that, I like your point about the the single voice there. But yeah, the, the the contrasting of the sons, the the firstborn, definitely a lot of good stuff. But we gotta take our break. Everybody, yep. hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter fifteen on Thy strong word. We'll be right back. <laughs> June 23rd, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Carl and Janet Dickey of St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Carl and Janet made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of their daughter, Carla Saltzer, who was called home to the Lord on this day in 2018. Thank you, Carl and Janet Dickey, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading through Exodus chapter 15 today, the Song of Moses, uh, this celebration that happens right after the victory of God over Pharaoh and all of his host and all of his uh, chariots and his hand-picked officials and all the rest here. We're joined today by Pastor Benjamin Ball, pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Ball here, you can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can always—not uh, not always, but today, anyway, uh, by God's grace—you can do the Facebook stream to facebook.com slash Uh Yeah, just type your questions or comments right there in the box. I have a couple questions uh, that came in via, via email uh, that perhaps we can uh, take a look at here. Uh, let me see here. So yeah, oh yeah, <clears throat> interesting. So is singing a practical thing that allows the Hebrews the opportunity to speak out throughout the camp about what God has done? So I, I guess uh, maybe the question is, uh, is this sort of like an activity that like people can join in? You know, and, and people sometimes... Um, Ask that when we're talking about theology or or uh, sermons, you know, like what's the takeaway? What's the action step? Right. So mm-hmm. is, is this maybe that? Like that's a, that's a, that's, that's an, it's an interesting question. Uh, kind of complementing that um, is the question. Uh, here's the next one Were the people of God commanded to sing in worship to the Lord in the face of danger? Um, so is this, is this even what, what God? Um, expected them, or even commanded them to do, and, and I guess then the kind of the follow up questions are, you know, so how, how does that speak to us? Um, you know, are do we have an imperative to to sing to God even in the midst of danger? Is 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 a a practical thing that we ought to be doing? Um, yeah, so th- those are the sorts of questions. You're I'm kind of trying to summarize the that came in as a group, but yeah, Pastor Ball, your your thoughts on 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 those that came in.
1: Yeah, really briefly, we we have uh, to sing is to to the Lord is to be joined into what's going on in heaven, because the angels are constantly singing the praises of the Lord. And what we do here on this earth is follow along. We pray, praise and give thanks. So that is certainly part of our uh, we are commanded to do that. But there's also the sense, as Saint Paul says, we, we sing with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, giving thanks in our hearts to the Lord. And and so this particular song that uh, the children of Israel sang spontaneously is part of that. It, yes, it's part of this communal activity. But they are doing it as one with one voice, as I mentioned before. In the, in the singular, they are the people of God that are praising the King of Heaven for all the things that He has done for them. And we uh today as the people of God do the same thing with one voice and we sing the songs of heaven we sing the songs that God has given to us in the scripture like this one and and we sing and make music to the Lord giving thanks for all that he's done
0: yeah that's that that's helpful i i, I like the idea of you know just kind of like joining in the song that's already being sung right um yeah. it's it's not like it's a command like Hey, you better figure out what to do here, right? And we're like, oh, okay. Somebody better go hire a professional composer or something. <laughs> no, certainly, you no. Know, that's that's a cool and good thing. And I'm not saying that you know composers shouldn't be able to work for a living, <laughs> not at yeah. all. How, how, however, it, it's it's not as if the emphasis is on you guys need to go and like produce something, uh, but rather we we are just joining in um, with the the melody of heaven, right? Like, and that's it's really cool the way that um. You know, C.S. Lewis talks that way when, when he develops the world of uh, Middle Earth, that the they're kind of angel characters, sort of, that kind of represent angels. And, and they're really just kind of voices that, that sing. They're, ju- they're just singing voices, really, ultimately. They're not like real bodies. And, and so it's just really interesting the way that he talks about that. Like, there's this this music of heaven. And, and in fact, the hymn of creation is the hymn that's creating itself yeah. you know you kind of you kind of think about that that in, in on a certain level it's like god himself starts singing in genesis 1 right and mm-hmm. we're just we're That's just right. joining we're just joining in right so i mean i like i like that and uh and, and i think also kind of the other uh side of it then is that they're they're able to sing like this and they're able to join in uh, because God has silenced the other voices that would get in the way of this. Um, and and so when when they sing here, they're not really singing in the face of danger in the sense of, you know, like, oh, we're really scared and we have all these things going on all around us, but we're going to stop and kind of sing in the eye of the storm anyway. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe that's like a, you know, not a bad idea for us, but, um, in this context here, you know, remember, how did chapter 14 end? Uh, The Lord saved them from the hand of the Egyptians, and it's when they saw the dead Egyptians on the shore that they put their faith in the Lord and in Moses, and they burst out in song. So, I mean, this is really, you know, God silencing the other distracting noises so that they can now sing. And isn't that interesting? Actually, I hadn't made that connection only until I thought about this question. That when when Moses earlier is telling them what what we're going to do here, he he tells them um, you have only to be silent is literally what it says in fourteen fourteen, mm-hmm. and so now 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 they can sing now that the silence has passed.
1: That's right, and I think you know we probably can't get too far afield with this, but like I said uh, at the beginning, that this hymn has been used. Uh, not only uh, with God's Old Testament people, but he, throughout the church, as this song of praise, that, and especially at the Easter Vigil, when we think of a new person being baptized, brought into the church, it's the song of Christ's victory. That yeah. they've been they've been brought over from death to life, and it's who they're the one they're singing to is the one that has crossed over um, from death into life, Jesus Christ, and has brought them along and they sing with him. I mean this is it's a song of our Lord here too, uh who has come in flesh. He's the one who sings uh and we join in his with his voice.
0: Absolutely. This is uh yeah, no, I was just actually thinking about that over the break that this is this is if this is the single voice song, right, that the first person singular I will sing, right? Um this is the song of, of God's firstborn. That's language of Exodus, right? you know, hey, Pharaoh, you're going to let my firstborn go, or I'm going to come for yours. Um, And so God does that, and he rescues his firstborn. And so now his firstborn is singing this song. And so this is, yeah, this is absolutely, this is the song that the Lord Jesus is already singing as he is the risen and ascended Lord. And so if we sing this song, uh, just like they, as you put it really well, they're, they're really just joining in, with him and so whether we're joining in with the lord after easter or whether we're joining in with him before easter as they were i mean th- this is really in that way just joining in the uh, the easter hymn which which really then is is quite interesting when you when you go and you look at the language um and you and you consider what what's going on cuz yeah on on the one level uh, it is just a description of what happened, right? Um, you know, yeah, they they went down into the the Red Sea, but the language, on the other hand, is bigger than that. And, and one of those spots is in verse five, where it says, you know, the the floods covered them. Uh, well, I mean, that's 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 fair, but the word there is actually the word from Genesis one. This is this is the word that is the deep, the abyss. So. I mean, literally, the abyss didn't. <laughs> that's not literally what happened. This was at Yam Suf, wherever exactly that is. Right. Uh, but that's that's the poetic uh, interpretation here. So we're we're joining in a song that's bigger than the historical circumstances. It's part of it, but it's bigger than that.
1: Yeah, there's there's the floods covering them. Yeah. I mean, that's the it's the enemies that are right there that they can see dead on the beach. But there's a lot of enemies. That will come before the people of God, the enemy of death and sin and and hell itself, and that's what the the enemy, when when if we just get down to uh, to verse nine, you know the enemy he he's he's gonna things that he wants to do, he's gonna pursue, he wants to overtake, he's gonna divide the spoil, he's gonna destroy them, and you think about all these and now of course that's spoken in the singular too. Mm-hmm. But it it could just be simply but brought down to the, the enemy of Ra, evil, or then the evil one itself, that the devil is at work, and he's behind all these enemies of the Lord and his people, and the Lord is routing him completely. He's yeah. got these boastful things, and and you think about, when, when Satan, this is the great thing about the resurrection of Jesus, and of course his... his his crucifixion too. I mean it seems as if Satan thought I can rout this son of God by killing him. Um and then he'll be all done. Right. But it ends up being no, you're routed by this death and it, and he, and the Lord himself was behind it all to destroy you and your power. And the resurrection of the son of God is this is this total victory. And vindication for the Son of God and for his people that are one in him, and you know the enemy can make all these boasts, but in the end, you know who's a god like who's like you, O oh Lord you know right. who's like you
0: nobody yeah no yeah no i I think that's I think that's really good that that you do and actually you mentioned this uh when you just said um when you said raw right there um it reminded me some people have made this connection here you know the hebrew i mean they're different words right um the, the hebrew word for for calamity um catastrophe chaos uh, bad things unpleasant things is is um, raw uh, you know like you were saying but that sounds very similar to the egyptian word for their chief god or at least one yep. of the chief solar gods at different points in their history Ra. Um, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. that was combined with Atum Ra or, you know, whatever other form of Ra or Ra Horus or, you know, the rest. Uh, but that is, that is kind of interesting that the, the chief god who's supposed to be like the, the sun god for the Egyptians is, is identified with darkness and, and evil with <laughs> with the Hebrews. Um, you know, whether, whether there's really supposed to be something there or not, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. It could just be coincidence, but it is interesting that, you know, again, right. In verse eight, again, it says, you know, the deeps, there's that word again. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the, it's the Genesis one, two, um, you know, emptiness, the, uh, the, the chaotic darkness, the nothingness, right. Um, the void. And, and, so this, this idea, you know that you know, that kind of cosmological evil has been routed, has been defeated. See, now that's that, that's getting to the point where you're like, yeah, we're talking about something that's bigger than just you know their chariots went into the water. Um, you know, this this is talking about yeah the victory of the Son of God over the ultimate forces of evil and chaos that that try to undo creation. This is this is ultimately about the Creator uh, completing his victory over every force of sin and evil that that would be contrary to his created order.
1: That's right. And you have the work of the spirit. I mean, that's the other thing you've got the Lord. He's blowing the wind all over the place to do this, you know? And so it's through the work of the spirit that, that God's enemies are destroyed in our own hearts. When we we bring it much closer to home, The, the spirit is blowing to bring us into the water of our holy baptism. And there, Adam gets drowned. There, That's right. uh, the the work of the devil is undone. There, our sins are forgiven, as the Spirit is blowing us and bringing us into the deep. You know, we we gotta our old Adam has got to die every day and sink like stone and lead into the water. Right.
0: Well, well, yeah, you know, and and uh, I mean, I I could I could really just go off with you on this kind of allegorical uh, rabbit trail here. You know, like the staff, you know, being raised up over you know the wood being lifted up over the waters right it's like the cross yeah. right you've got the the wind the spirit i mean oh my goodness right we you can just draw all kinds of connections that way but i don't think it's i don't think it's illegitimate i think that um you really do just in this uh, very beautiful picture have that idea and of course uh, this is i think one of the big connections too why um we talked about a few episodes ago you've got the connection between um Pesach, um Paska, Pascua, Easter, that you have this old tradition of all of this being a vigil, that it goes okay. on over the evening in the darkness, right, as, as it happened here. There was the, the darkness that was uh, being cast over Pharaoh and his army, um, and then all this happens overnight, and then in the morning they are saved and they have rest. And so uh, that idea of the morning coming, there being a, a new day, um, salvation coming with the dawn, that's uh, of course also very much like Easter, and so yeah, just really cool how in the end, um, when you when you when you look at this, there there really much there really is this this kind of new day, uh, new thing has happened theme, which which I think is actually we should talk just briefly about this and then move on probably on to the next bit, but it is interesting how in the last part of this song, it's already anticipating. Uh, they're coming into the Promised Land, right? That's, that, that's right. the direction it's already going, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, th- there they are. There, I mean, they're they're pretty close to Egypt still, or they're kind of you know, basically still in Egypt. It's like on the border of the wilderness in Egypt, and uh, here they are talking about you know Edom, uh, Moab, right? The inheritance, uh, the inhabitants of Canaan. They haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, this is the thing
1: for it, us, too. And, and that's why, yeah. you know, when, when we talk about, you know, when we study a chapter like this and read the Bible like this, and you think about all these connections, it's what makes Bible study fun, you know, and really enjoyable. You think about, look how God has fulfilled all these things and gives all these great promises. So even here, you know, like you said, they haven't made it yet, but yeah. he's making promises to them, and they know about these promises. They actually, because they're singing this, right? So right. they know, hey, we're going to be rolling— and everybody's going to hear about us, and they're going to be afraid—not of us, but because of the Lord. Terror and dread are—they—they've already fallen upon them, because of why the greatness of your arm. And who is the right arm of the Lord but our—but His Son? And 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 they're just—and for us as His people, we can sing about promises that are not yet fulfilled. That's right. I mean, um. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, and his reign among us is a present reality. We have it by faith. We don't yet see it in its fullness. But we can sing about it that the resurrection is a present and certain reality in the lives of the people of God. The devil and death, they are going to be still like a stone and all their power and the power of hell is going to be completely undone it already is and it's just going to be seen by us when our lord Jesus Christ brings us into the land of rest the kingdom of his father which will never end it's coming and we sing exactly. like it is well
0: that's right and and it's so so we have that same kind of connection that they're they're singing about the rest that they already have um, you know this rest that they have on this on this new day of creation now right like if if the if the plagues in some ways were these you know days of of creation well now they've they've finally made it to the sabbath um and they have their rest even before they're told and they're taught about the sabbath um they're they're getting a little bit of a life lesson right here um uh, but it's interesting because as you're saying that they don't they don't have it quite yet they're not in the the rest right we're going to see that well we read that in Joshua not that long ago that um, you know they have rest right in, in the land, and so they have it, but they don't yet have it. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's the exact same yeah, thing as right. our situation. So, we have a resurrection, yeah, yeah. a spiritual one, but we don't have the the full thing yet. We have we have the life in the church, but we don't have the life of the the age to come quite yet. So we're we're in the we're in the same boat. It's the same kind of situation. Um, and and then so that's that's interesting then because when we see then that they are in this now this wilderness. Um, journey, and they move on from there, it says in verse 22, we can really identify with them also in that
1: part of the chapter. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, just finishing up about that, in 13, you know, you've led us, and boy, we haven't done any—we've done injustice to the steadfast love and also the redemption. But they're also—they're already in the holy abode. But then in yeah. verse 17, well— They've made the holy abode. The Lord's made it, and we're not quite there yet. But yeah. you're right. So, so uh, Miriam sings, but then it, then they're in the wilderness. And um, then things start going a little sideways. And yeah. it, <laughs> th- this is the thing about our the faith of God's people then and the faith of God's people now. It really isn't that different because... Yeah. We have all these glorious promises and think of how the, the the challenges that the church of our Lord Jesus Christ has gone through over these just last few months, yep. separate, um, seemingly divided household from a household, not being able to be together as the people of God should be. And boy... I know, I'm sure in your parish, I know in ours and in your yeah. heart and in mine, boy, uh, fearful things, wandering, wandering yeah. of our minds. And you can see how, all right, so this is what you've promised us? This is where you, you've brought us to? Now yeah. we're, we're, we're th- and this is the thing, there's no accidents. We're three, we're three days in the wilderness and we've got no water. What in the mm-hmm. world?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that that's right, and uh, you know, here and here comes here comes the water, then, right? So yeah, yeah so cert, certainly there's there's just so many things going on, and of course you know, so they they're literally provided for in the wilderness. Um, but yeah, we're gonna you know see in this it's something bigger already too, and so this this is the corollary, right, of the Egyptian plague with the blood. Um, so, you know, so just as similarly as how the uh, swallowing up of, of, the, of the sea serpent uh, staves, right, was mm-hmm. foreshadowing Pharaoh being swallowed up. Uh, so here we've had this foreshadowed by the Nile turning into blood, because isn't it interesting that in that situation there with the Nile turning into blood, um, the, 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 the big description, the big focus is that the Egyptians couldn't drink it. Um, mm-hmm. It mentions the fish dying, but it mostly mis- mentions that to explain that the how, how stinky and terrible the water was, and, and how they they couldn't possibly uh, drink it, and so they have to go and they dig and they work. and I think that's a little bit of the irony back in uh, Genesis, uh, back in uh, that part of Exodus, because that's coming. You know, all, all this water stuff is coming right after Pharaoh um, imposes that hard labor on them. So it's like, hey. You're gonna take away rest from my people. Well, I'm gonna take away your rest, and so they they lose uh, Sabbath here. But now in Exodus 15, um, they get this sweet water that's pleasant, and uh, it's just it's just there. Like they don't have to they don't have to work for this. It's just there. It is right there. Um, God's gonna take them from good place to good place in Elim. There's just uh the description there springs of water and 70 palm trees they're not digging for water underground so like already this this has so much sabbath stuff connected to it as it talks about the water
1: that's right and 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 so it's really interesting that uh you know god is turning things around for them all the time and you can understand the grumbling i mean 3 days without any sweet water you're going to get you're going to get kind of testy, and they do. And here, remember, they, they're believing in the Lord and in Moses' prophet, and okay. th- they complain to Moses. You know, th- that really is an interest. They don't complain to the Lord. And remember way back in chapter 3, when, when God calls Moses, he, he reminds Moses, I've heard their prayers and I've seen their suffering. So the people had been praying, over those 400 years of slavery. But now once they've been delivered from slavery, they don't go straight back to the guy who got them out. They're going to go after Moses because he's the one they can see. Right. And, and Moses prays, he cries out. And then there's this revelation of this crazy log to throw in there. And, and as you said, you know, you can make all this connection back to the tree of the cross Yeah, Uh, or or think about it anyway. But it's it's, the Lord's always the Lord always uses means. He always uses means to give deliverance to his people in the flesh of his son and in all this other stuff throughout the Bible. And and he does it here and the water's sweet. And then comes this. This this hint now, this preview of the commandments are going to come in chapter 20, right? Um, right. you got to listen to me. You got to listen to my voice. I'm the Lord your God, and you got to do what's right, not in your eyes, but what's right in mine.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, no, and, and I think those connections, I mean, I, I think the Gospels have been written in a way to, to try to help us see those sorts of connections. I mean, it really is interesting that, um, you know, we, we this, we're doing this Exodus here, like right after... Um, having read through Mark, and it was back in Mark chapter 8 where we saw uh, the Lord says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If yep. I send them away hungry to their homes, they'll faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. I mean, it's really interesting how when he says that, it feels very much—I mean, because we talked about that too, um, how in the in the second uh, feeding there in Mark, it, it's the it's kind of the mixed multitude, it's the mixed bunch— um, it, it's not the, the ones that are kind of so obviously just Hebrew. It's a mixture of uh, Hebrew and, and non-Hebrew people all, all coming together, um, to receive this in faith and repentance. And so it really is striking how we're supposed to be seeing like, oh, like the Lord Jesus is taking them on a journey through the mm-hmm. wilderness and, and he's the one who's doing this, right? I mean, so, so these are the connections that, um, the, the gospels themselves are, are making.
1: Yes. And of course, when, when the Lord uh, speaks to them at the end of verse 26, I'm your healer, right? The Egyptians, yeah. they got all, all kinds of false healers and they can do all kinds of things. And even in our day, well, who do we trust? And we trust in doctors, epidemiologists, who's going to get us out of COVID-19. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? It's the Lord who is the true healer. And is not our Lord Jesus Christ, the great physician of body and soul. And he gives us food, the food and drink of immortality his sacred body and blood. He gives us the clean water of our holy baptism. He's the living water. And there they are at Elim, and there's these 12 springs and 70 palm trees. You know, Moses gives us the details. This is real concrete stuff. And that's what our Lord does. He gives us real concrete places where he calls his people together and gives them the healing rest, the balm for their souls that's what he
0: does A- amen and, and it's just the, the images are so rich and and uh yeah the, we, we can just see the connections about what our lord is doing for us and how we i mean we this is this is really you know getting at that big idea we don't you know not observe the sabbath it's just the sabbath has been so radically fulfilled in jesus christ who as you said gives us his body and blood thank you so much brother for joining us uh, God's peace be with you and the people brothers and sisters there in Hamel and uh, looking forward to having you on again soon
1: We should have spent two or three hours on this chapter. I know we really should have, but we we had to. We had to
0: just move on because we we had this this crazy pace. Great to talk to you. All right, thanks, everybody. That was Pastor Benjamin Ball, pastor at Saint Paul Lutheran Church Church in Hamill, Illinois. Going on to uh, Exodus uh, 16 tomorrow, and then we're going to be looking at that Psalm. Till then, Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace.
1: Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting By Strong Word.